Welcome to the Self-Talk Radio Show. Mind-changing radio. Welcome to Self-Talk Radio Show. I'm Sarah Spencer, the future, making predictions in a very unpredictable world. We welcome back Dr. Michael Zay, returning to Self-Talk Radio Show. He's written several books, including The Future Factor, Seizing the Future, and Ageless Nation. Welcome to the show. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So where does the U.S. stand as far as jobs and, and finding employment these days? Well, the good, idea, the good news economically is that, according to the World Economic Foundation and some other agencies, we've now moved back into our number one spot as the most competitive nation. Now, that takes in a lot of different, different areas, but in terms of just economically, we're seen as the most competitive. And uh, right now, uh, for the first time in, I would say, 10 years, it is now a seller's market if you define the seller as the person who has the job skills and is selling his or her labor to uh, to organizations, corporations, businesses, etc. Uh, the uh, the ratio has turned dramatically. Part of this is due to the fact that we do have 4.2 percent growth. These are numbers we have not seen since the mid 2000s, and even then, we only saw them briefly. Yeah. What's the what is the job that's hot out there right now that people can walk in and get employed? Um if you have IT skills of any type, uh you will get an interview uh uh without any problem. There are just more jobs than than uh people with coding experience, with systems analyst experience, anything like that. I mean, it's it's uh, certainly, companies like Google—they're extremely selective. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, they they look for the people with the best degrees, with the you know, and you have to fit their employee profile in terms of what uh, what they're looking for. But um, just generally, any company that needs IT people, it's uh, it's a growing field, and it's not just computer companies. It could be companies, everything from medical areas to manufacturing, everyone is looking for software engineers, programmers, coders, and a lot of people, you know, because of the demand for labor, you get a lot of people who are self-taught and, you know, maybe went on for degrees or in the middle of it, but that that would be one area. So can I'm going to stop you for a sec. So someone who's self-taught in IT, they could get a job out there now too? Well, remember that uh, people like uh, Zuckerberg, who runs Facebook never really graduated college. I mean, he was he was light years ahead of what they were teaching him and the vision that he had. You know, what they were teaching him even at a place like Harvard, which was pretty advanced in terms of you know artificial intelligence and the like. Yeah, I mean, it it they may ask you to get the degree, but they really are looking for people with skills. Huh. So, um, and a lot of people are. You know, they may. <clears throat> it's a question of what the job description asks for, but. It's the skill they need. And one of the reasons is because uh, a lot of people who are developing games are in their teens. Right, right, <laughs> and true. they haven't even gotten out of high school yet. Yeah. So um, they may be taught at, uh, and teaching is taking place, not, the teaching is taking place at community colleges. It's taking place at vocational schools that are increasingly looking at, at areas like computers. Now I interrupted. And, uh, I interrupted you. You were saying IT is hot. What's another uh, job place well, that's the, really the hot per, right now? The, the perennial shortage in in healthcare 
Mm. And in key areas, we're not just talking about assistance or, or uh, you know, orderlies here. We're talking about nursing. Uh, nurses are just, you know, there is a shortage. Um, New York City is as usual. I mean, this is not unusual in this country. Even in the worst of times, we have these kinds of shortages. Um, it's, it's a field that they just can't get enough of nursing. And it's interesting, we talk about all these technological changes and improvements, but, you know, human care, health care, still important. Um, so it's, it's extremely uh, necessary um, in New York, uh, New York City, for instance, they're looking for uh, nurses in places like Grenada, uh, Philippines, etc. Again, this is not unusual. The other problem is because of the age cohort, you're going to have a lot of retirements of doctors. And we really have to increase the number of doctors who are being produced in this country and elsewhere. Reduce the amount of doctors? Produce. Uh, produce oh, more. Produce. Increase. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I was going to say reduce. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Based on your own experience, you may think that. <laughs> oh, no. I, I was like, I, I think we need a doctor or two around. No, no. Actually, when you look at the waiting times for specialists, uh, that's, that's always been a problem. But uh, you're looking at, you know, baby boomers retiring, and we look across the board. If it happens in marketing, maybe we're not as concerned. But when it happens in the medical field, um, certainly it's an increase. Uh, an issue, and this is happening even as 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 we have technologized, as we have uh, applied IT technology and other types of technologies to um, to the medical field, and we're always making these predictions that as we increase these technologies, uh, we're going to eliminate jobs. Essentially, you actually make it easier to do the job, but it really increases the, the need for labor. So, and skilled, in medical field, skilled labor. Is really absolutely skilled. Yes. Right, right. Now you were talking about the medical field, and there's a real crisis in this country because you you talk about nurses getting jobs and they're not getting paid what they deserve. We're we're hearing about nurses' strikes going on, and the whole medical system in the United States it's so prohibitively expensive. The wait times are unbelievable. And now there's this trend that I'm reading about with medical vacations. Are you seeing that as a trend too? And, and right. how do we and that, how do we fix started, it? Yeah, that started to pick up in uh, the 2000s and uh, certainly into the, uh, the the teens, as we're in now, where um, people, for whatever reason, are finding it more more cost effective to. Um, to go overseas, either be it Czechoslovakia, India, um, these places are, uh, you know, they advertise as much as they could. A lot of people are not aware of the uh, of the possibilities, or they may feel you know, the possibilities of medical travel, or they feel that their companies just uh, have a hard and fast rule that they might not cover this kind of kind of expense. And it's important for people to look at their medical plan and say, look, I can go and get my all my dentistry done for $3,000 instead of $15,000. You know, will you work with me? Or, or I can get this particular hip replacement done in India for one-fifth the course, uh, the cost. Would you be willing to, to support me in that, in that endeavor? Yeah. And, and that's, that's something that... That's an interesting industry to, uh, to begin, you know, is medical tourism. <laughs> if, you, if you're looking for a niche, that's certainly one. It is, and I've actually spoken to people who would never think about this, people in the hospitality industry. 
Yeah. Well, the reality is that in, in the world of medical tourism, uh, part of the sale of, the, of getting people on a plane to get their medical assistance in, say, India is to offer a trip along with it so that it's one week vacation, one week for you know, medic, uh, medical procedure plus recuperation. And uh, for people in the hospitality field, a lot of them are not even thinking about this in the tourism field, that this might be a, uh, a niche that they could fill um, and because they're not, you don't really think in those terms. You think of tourism as sending people out to the Bahamas or whatever. But, uh, no, this is becoming increasingly important because they are packaging the, uh, the medical treatment with vacation. And that's one of the draws because these countries are competing against each other for, um, for the clientele. We're speaking with Dr. Michael Zay. He's a futurist on Self Talk Radio Show. He's written numerous books, including The Future Factor, Seizing the Future, and Ageless Nation, among many others. And Dr. Zay, I'm interested because I'm going back to the IT question, you know, the hot jobs that are out there in IT. And something that's sticking in my brain is there some companies are even looking for people who might not have any college. What's the scoop on college? Are kids feeling like they're they've kind of been taken for a ride in college because they're getting they're graduating and then they're not able to land that job is that well, shifting yeah. now well, the question is what is the job that they were expecting yeah. to get and you know it might not be exactly in their field it may not be as high up as they thought they were going to get but i have to tell you that well as a professor i've started to see a sea change in the the number of offers that students are getting um and uh it up to about two years ago Unfortunately, a lot of people were graduating, and they were uh, they would be happy if they got a paid internship, and in some cases an unpaid internship. This is the kind of thing one would supposed to be getting in the junior year of high school, not uh, upon graduation. However, that has changed uh, because I just again anecdotally, a lot of them now are using LinkedIn. And LinkedIn gets lots of offers. You know, if you're on LinkedIn, they're getting 10, 15 offers. Now, these are all not wonderful offers. A lot of them are the kind of jobs perhaps they wouldn't like, but they were aimed at the, um, the, uh, the, the forthcoming college graduates. So they're getting these offers while they're in the sen- in, in, uh, seniors. So a lot of it has to do with uh, making connections. And, of course, where you live, you know, you're near a big city, et cetera, you know, would certainly help. But even then, I mean, you, you are getting these. Uh, I'm starting to see this change. So uh, whether they feel that that opportunity is worth what colleges are charging is a completely other, different question. Uh, somebody may feel I spent all this money and I'm not happy with the job that I got when I graduated, well, that's not an employment question. That is a cost-benefit type of question, and that more relates to the rising cost of colleges and not really the job market at this time. So are there some majors that if there's a high school student, are there some majors they could pursue that would give them that return on investment in their college education? Yeah, I mean, I obviously going to a, a business, I teach in the school of business, so what I'm saying is people who are, um, who are, you know, tracking themselves pretty early. These are people who were already at, in the high school, in their high school years. 
thought about applying to schools of business. So they're interested in areas like finance, very strong. Um, marketing, very strong. And I'll get back to that first in a second. Mm, yeah, um, I'm interested in hearing about that. Too. So economics and uh, something else called data analytics, which is um, the this whole area of big data. Now it tends to um, it tends to discourage some people because it's heavily mathematically oriented. It's uh, it's the ability to mine reams of data on the internet, get these indications, and try to determine from that, say, what marketing trends are, what the trends of business are, and um, you know, it's a, these majors are multi-course majors, majors which are challenging, to say the least. But I know that at my university at Montclair State, as soon as we offered that, that, um, that subspecialty of uh, business analytics, uh, we were overrun with candidates. Even people who were close to graduating forestalled their graduation by a semester just to get, the, to get into the subspecialty, to have that on their resume, because everybody knows now that the ability to deal with numbers and to make sense of them, to have a heightened sense of what they call numeracy, is extremely, uh, is, is extremely important. Well, yeah, especially area, I, I, if, if you look at the political landscape, you know, the, the elections and people were being influenced with social media. Um, a lot of that is going on with people who need to do the analytics to see a, what part is being controlled by bots. Is, is that sort of what they would be looking at? Yes, and that's, you bring up a very important question. Oh, yeah, I get to the. I recognize I opened up Pandora's box on that one. <laughs> well, no, we, no. I, I, well, just from the point of view, let's just stay with business uh, business concerns. Uh, many businesses now have war rooms where they monitor uh, social media as related to their company. Um, so, for instance, your company comes out with a, uh, a pronouncement at 10 a.m. Uh, I want to see what the impact was. I don't want to. In the old days, we would come out with the pronouncement, watch the 10 o'clock news, see how you know it was picked up at CNBC, you know, hope that it would influence consumers, maybe do a survey to see if consumers saw it. That day, those days are gone. Right. What we do now is they come out with this pronouncement, uh, they immediately go to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Google. Google searches, and they have these charted, grafted, if you've ever seen them, it's very impressive to see basically what they're looking at is human behavior in real time. So they can get an idea, first of all, if people are even aware of the pronouncement. You know, it could be on a new product, for instance. Uh, then, they can, then they can test the sentiment without, ever doing, without even doing a survey because they're basically looking at, you know, they'll go through keywords on the Twitters, are people saying good things, bad things. That doesn't mean it can't be influenced by bots. Uh, you know, and I always point out to people, you know, there's, there's the, old, the old saying in computer world, garbage in, garbage out. If my data is not good, uh, the, the, my analysis is, full, is not going to be is worthless. So you have to make sure, of course, you're not being flooded by what? Some, some computer sitting in, uh, I don't know, someplace in South America or Eastern Europe that is just pumping out, you know, negative information about you. But even that is important information for them because if somebody's targeted them, they want to know right away so they can respond to this. So marketing now is very different from what it was even 10 years ago because anyone coming out with, say, a marketing 
plus analytics background is actually moving into a very hot area, in, in my estimation, mm. because you know about marketing, you know how to attract, you know how to get attention, uh, but you're doing this now with the analytics. You're understanding also how to analyze consumer behavior in real time. And, um, yeah, I would say that somebody moving in that direction would uh, uh, would would be a very desirable commodity out on the labor market. We're speaking with Dr. Zay, futurist, and when we come back, we're going to ask Dr. Zay about the impact of smartphones on society and are we losing our privacy <laughs> when we come back. That should be an interesting topic. Coming up next on Self Talk Radio Show. Can't sleep? Try this. Sleep Meditation offers soothing meditations to help you sleep like a baby and awaken what's inside. All you have to do is choose the meditation you want to listen to from our library at sleepmeditation.org. Click play and enjoy. If you want to keep the recording, purchase the downloads you want. Plus, Sleep Meditation offers specials on motivational pieces that help you start positive change, stop bad habits, or sleep like a baby. Sleepmeditation.org. Welcome back. We're speaking with Dr. Michael Zay on Self Talk Radio Show. And what's the impact of smartphones on society? Are we becoming more disengaged and losing our privacy using these devices? Well, it's definitely a distraction. There's no doubt about it. Uh, there have been studies done. Uh, I always say technology giveth and technology taketh away. Uh, the productivity numbers have been very disappointing over the last several years, and productivity being the, the amount of work that people do, however you measure it, per hour, uh, and that's the way they, they look at it. And the productivity has been going up at a very slow pace. Um, and we're kind of scratching our heads because we've flooded the workplace with all the so-called time-saving technologies. And the problem is, and there's no two ways about it, you can see it in the classroom. You can see it in, uh, you can see it in cars. You can see it just every place. You can see it at the dinner table. You can see it at family gatherings. Uh, people are hooked on these phones, and in the sense that I wouldn't, in the middle of a conversation with you, pick up a phone and just start gabbing away, but I might take a cell message or a text, text message. And it's, now it's generational because now you have a generation that has been weaned from early on, five, six years old, maybe younger, on using this device as a communications device and you have people who were literally sleeping with the phone next to their bed and would wake up in the middle of the night if they got if, if they heard it vibrate or heard it uh, buzz <clears throat> and they have become so accustomed to this becoming part of their life that it does become a, uh, a distraction and in a lot of ways that people don't even realize uh, I always talk about, you know, the creative process. You know, if you're writing a song or writing a book or trying to come up with a new product, whatever it is that you're trying to do, and it takes concentration. And by concentration, it literally means almost to the point where you just don't have interruptions of any type, a knock on the door, uh, ringing the bell. I mean, I knew writers taking phones off the hook when they used to use landlines. Um, and it's to get into that zone a very important place for creative people where you're really thinking and you're really communicating with your creativity and uh, it moves you to that next level of, of the creative process. I really believe that this distraction is that it's, people are so distracted 
even if they're not getting text messages, they're expecting them. Mm-hmm. And this kind of mental process that takes place where people have always one ear waiting, anticipating for another email drop, another text message, is really undermining their own ability, I believe, to uh, push themselves, to maximize their own potential. And I'm very serious about that. And I've spoken to people about it, and a lot of people agree, And but it's, it's, we're dealing with a habit now. Uh, like many people would agree that, you know, they should give up smoking and, you know, where that goes. Yep. Uh, I think it's just that people say, okay, I'll turn it off. Uh, I think this is one of the reasons, by the way, that you're seeing this explosion in uh, people being interested in meditation and yoga. I think it's because a lot of people sense that they have to get back, get themselves back to a point of being able to think, uh, concentrate, in a, in a totally uninterrupted environment. So, I, I mean, I, I went off a bit on, on that, but it's, um, I think it's really an important issue. Yeah, I, I think so, too. What about our privacy? That, unfortunately, we are acquiescing to um, increased uh, invasions of our privacy, and people decry the fact that they're losing their privacy, but... They don't do the necessary investigations of the media that they're using, be it Facebook, whatever. They don't. Sometimes it's just laziness. People can opt out. Google gives you a lot of opt-outs, not enough, but a lot of abilities to opt out of advertising. You can uh, you can basically instruct the computer not to allow cookie drops, which gives you your location and all this other information about you. And people. Um, have are, are many people. I wouldn't say all people, but people who think they're tech savvy are really giving much too much uh, information away. When I see people in a hot spot like uh, you know in Starbucks uh, ordering online, I cringe because it's not just privacy from the companies; it's you're trying to prevent your privacy from uh, from intruders who could be reading your data. Who could be hacking into your phone, regardless of the encryption that you think you have on the phone? Mm-hmm. And uh, people just have to learn more about this. And I think the media has to do more instructing. Instead of writing these articles just uh, decrying the fact that Google gave people's privacy away or sold their data or, or that they were hacked. I think they should start instructing people in these articles on just some rudimentary methods of maybe masking their identity, uh, getting a higher level of encryption, what not to do in public places on the phone, on your smartphone, Mm -hmm. like putting credit card information over the air. I call it over the air. Um, This is how people's identities get stolen. Well, what what about people who are diligent and they don't order in Starbucks. They don't even go on a on a Wi-Fi network, you know, anywhere outside their home. They're still vulnerable, especially with Facebook and all the hacks. You know, you, you can't do anything if Facebook gets hacked. Right, because Facebook has has put your own information on on their own servers. Yeah. And yes, and if 58 million people get get hacked. It's unfortunate. So the question is, how much do you really need certain services? A lot of people say, well, I need, uh, I have to be on Facebook. I have to communicate with family, friends, and this is all legit. 
as well legitimate uh, uh, reasons for doing this. However, how much information do you really have to put your credit cards in, you know, through Facebook? Do you have to do your purchasing there? Uh, you know, how much information do you really want to share with them? And how many of the opt-outs have you actually done where they cannot sell their information to advertisers? This is the way they make their money. But, um, you know, we're waiting for, if we're waiting for Congress to pass a law uh, prohibiting certain invasions of privacy, we're going to wait a long time because the technologies move so quickly that by the time that legislation goes through, there will be, Ten new ways for them to uh, to undermine our our privacy. So I, I what I would say to people is you know avoid the most obvious ways of of uh, of of having your your uh, information taken. And look, all this trade off is because we want we want um, we want convenience, mm-hmm. and we are making a trade off between convenience. You know, I, I always shock people and tell people you do not have to use a credit card. Certainly not in stores, and they wonder, well, what would you use? And I, <laughs> I have to describe cash, cash to some people because they do not carry it. And kids and, don't know how to make change anymore unless a cash register is telling them how to well, make change. Well, that's a great example you know? of how technology can de-skill us at the same time. Yes, it enhances somebody's ability to do that job of making change, but they don't really know how to make change and do the math. Um, in, so, in your in your research, do you see net neutrality um, coming to to fruition? Or it that is, I have read so much, and honestly, people who are concerned about this would be shocked at how little the public knows about this about this issue. And look, the real fear is that people. Let's face it. What is the real fear? It has nothing to do with privacy, etc. It has the fear that somehow you're going to be charged more uh, for the amount of data that you use on your private network. So if I spend my Internet connection $50 a month, just as an example, uh, most people do not want to then have to pay extra if they're getting Netflix because they're streaming more than the person who just uses their connection next door uh, for, uh, for email. You know, you're downloading movies, you're watching movies, whatever. Um, and... That's the, I mean, it really does pit two different types of users against each other. Mm. Well, um, and also small business. You know, yeah, right now small, small business can compete with the big guys, but you got Amazon coming in that's swallowing retailers whole. Yes, they, they are. Uh, though, you know, if you were just making, by the way, in terms of the employment issue, again, if you were just making, uh, you, you know, People losing jobs because of Amazon, but I will tell you, those I know here in in, uh, in the New Jersey area, uh, they put up clearance centers and it has created jobs at all levels. So you know, again, Amazon does take it away, but it certainly giveth, and uh, everyone's fighting for that that corporate center, yeah. uh, that that wanted corporate center that they're discussing, which would you know create thousands of jobs. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, Amazon is, is a major player. I'm always wondering, quite frankly, between you and me, why at some point um, antitrust doesn't rear its uh, head, its ugly head yeah. at this point, because they're in an awful lot of what seem to be integrated businesses at this point. Very true. Yeah, definitely. So what's on the horizon for you? 
um, in terms of. Are you writing a, I, I thought I yeah, saw, are actually, you writing I a new book? A, uh, I contributed to a book on, uh, I didn't want to mention it because uh, <laughs> we oh. might have gotten distracted. It's on post-humanism. And uh, the name of the book is, it was brought out by Macmillan, and it's called Post-Humanism, The Future of Homo Sapiens. And um, I contributed to that to that book. Um, I'm working on another book right now about uh, more aimed at the public um, on uh, super longevity, which I've written about before. But this is trying to prepare people more for what I see is coming in terms of changes that are taking place and how it's going to impact our careers and what we can actually do. It's written more to the reader than about something. So I'm working on that one. Oh, cool. And, uh, well, let me know lives. because I, I'd love to have you back to talk about that. That's cool. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Dr. Zay, thank you so much. Where can we find more information about you? Well, the easiest way is to go to zay.com. That's Z-E-Y.com. Yes, I have a three-letter uh, website with my name. I'm also on Facebook and um, uh, on Twitter under Futurist3000. Great. Dr. Michael Zay serves as executive director of the Expansionary Institute. He's a professor at Montclair State University, New Jersey, and he consults to corporations and government agencies. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure. I'm Sarah Spencer for Self Talk Radio Show. If you'd like to see our guest offerings, find this episode on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon Alexa. You can join us for the conversation on Facebook and see our guest offerings on selftalkradioshow.com.